This is a Brain Bites episode. We share two quick ideas we learned this week to help you leverage your brain for a better life. And always remember, make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a Brain Tools episode. It's time to level up your brain. Let's get cracking. It's Brain Bites 19, and I want to share something with you that we have genuinely received so many questions about. And I think if I can put my hand up here, myself and Sam, I think we just made an assumption here that every single person knows what a mental model is. And given that we're going to be speaking about it a fair bit over the next few weeks, especially in these Brain Bites episodes, I wanted to actually try and help everyone get on the same page in terms of what mental models actually are. And that is what forms Brain Bites 19 today. So if we think about knowledge, and I'm not saying it has a single origin, but let's just say it does (laughs) for this argument, argument's sake, then it began to diverge, all knowledge, right? And that's the whole idea of epistemology. We then, though, across time, as we as a species began to discover more about Earth and the world and all that sort of jazz, what is it, 13.8 billion years at the universe and then 4.3 first life, and we've had circa 600,000, give or take, we started to group all this knowledge that we discovered and we classified it, essentially creating all these different subjects and disciplines, biology, chemistry, psychology, all these different fields were born. But the key thing here is that they were divergent. And so if we really try and draw back a little bit more, there are root models and root knowledge that really clearly represent the world. And that is exactly what a mental model is. It's a representation of how the world works. And it's actually to our advantage to really try and think in terms of mental models, because let's be frank, trying to remember all the details about every single subject is impossible. Just go back to school when in reality, a lot of it was a rote learning exercise. You'd learn specific facts and figures within psychology or biology, and you might've loved the subject content or hated it, depending on what you do, but we weren't necessarily taught to think at the root principle of that. And so if you can understand basic principles across many disciplines in a really interdisciplinary manner, then you become essentially a specialist generalist. So if I can give you a few examples here, it's like for an engineer, right? Say you specialize in that because most of us are specialists. It's what we did when we uh, studied our degree, so to speak, if we did go to university. Engineers are likely to think in terms of systems. They'll look at the entire systems top down and try and understand it from that perspective. Whereas maybe a psychologist will take an incentive viewpoint. What's the self-interest? What's the incentives? For a biologist, they might view it in terms of evolution, natural selection. For a neuroscientist, they'll be like, hold on, plasticity is the name of the game. And the key note here is there's probably a bunch of models that actually go across disciplines. And so if you're able to combine them, you can then end up seeing a problem from many different viewpoints, whether it's a problem in your personal life or a problem in your work life. And so the key message here for any mental model that we're doing, it's basically your cognitive toolbox. Imagine you have a tool or a model that you can use depending upon the situation or a problem at hand, as opposed to saying, here's a fact about something and let me try and solve a problem with that. It is a way of thinking clearly and better. And the more tools that you have, the more overlapping those tools are, the more likely you are to start to see problems that they can actually address. Um, I've got a, hopefully, a decent example here. And again, I'm taking it from Shane Parrish from Farnham Street. So I'm going to directly quote, directly attribute to him. But he says this, here's another way to think about it. When a botanist looks at a forest, they may focus on the ecosystem. An environmentalist might see the impact of climate change and a forestry engineer, the state of the tree growth, a business person, the value of the land. And it's basically showing you, depending upon your area of expertise, your speciality, you will obviously view and think about it in a certain way, which is a given. But it's then it detracts from understanding what the root principles behind that are. And an example I have for you is feedback loops. 
right? A feedback loop being that if you do something, there is another action that then actually helps the initial action take place. So an example here is biology, homeostasis, right? Homeostasis basically says we want to try and maintain a relatively constant internal environment. That is definitely uh, some rote learning there coming coming through. But you can see that it's the same with diabetes. If my blood sugar level goes up, then what happens is I'll release insulin that will then bring it down accordingly. And that's a negative feedback loop, right? It's the same in supply and demand. If supply is really high, demand is likely to be low depending on a certain variables and vice versa. That's a positive and negative feedback loops. But you can see the principle that connects those two things are feedback loops. And so I want to give this overview today and give it a really clear understanding of how we're going to go about using these in the coming weeks, because it's so important that we don't just simply remember facts in any given domain, right? Especially when you're, if you're in the workforce, if you're at school, no matter what, it's really important to start having connective interdisciplinary thinking of asking yourself a basic question. How does this concept I've learned relate to another domain? Is there some sort of root connection that I can create? If there's something there that connects and is present in multiple disciplines, it's likely that it is a mental model. And if we can discover more mental models and try and understand as many as we can and connect them into a bit of a lattice work, then you can use this to really think through complex problems or even simple problems as well. I think the best way to probably go about this is to summarize a guy called Charlie Munger. You probably heard Sam and I mention this dozens and dozens of times. He's Warren Buffett's right-hand man, and he's very, very famous for his speech on human misjudgment, where he notes about 100 different mental models that has helped him in terms of his investment philosophies across his entire life. And he says the following, I quote, well, the first rule is that you can't really know anything if you just remember isolated facts and try and bang them back. If the facts don't hang together on a lattice of lattice work of theory, you don't have them in any practical or usable form. You've got to have mental models in your head and you've got to have an array in your experience, both vicarious and direct on this lattice work of models. You may have noticed students who just try to remember and pound back what is remembered. Well, guess what? They fail in school and in life. You've got to hang experience on a lattice work of models in your head. Now, hopefully that summarizes what mental models actually are, because in the coming weeks, we're going to be referencing specific mental models to help you think better, to make better decisions, and ultimately improve the quality of your life. And that brings us to a close of Brain Bites 19. We hope you love this Brain Bites episode. If you wanted to support us, the best way is to add a screenshot of it to your Insta story or to share it in a WhatsApp group with friends or share the link to someone who you think might benefit from it. We'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.